because there's probably a lot of people out there that have the dreams and aspirations of what you did. And so you'll be able to say, here's where we tripped up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, how long is the show? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to, yeah. yeah. We want to try to stay positive. Oh yeah. That's right. Sure. <laughs> This is Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon, bringing to you the best in news, reviews, and interviews with people making the bourbon whiskey industry happen. And I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Coleman. The dream of owning a bourbon bar. That sounds pretty awesome, doesn't it? Well, in this episode, we get to hear of Watch Hill Proper's journey. Joshua Howes and Tommy Craggs, they join the show to talk about the initial concept of the bar and the challenges they faced not coming from a restaurant background. We dive into the finer details of the business, such as staff training, actually retaining those staff members, and revenue of what you see between food and beverage sales. But for us whiskey geeks, we also talk about building a bourbon collection of unicorns that are proudly on display, but also they're available by the poor. And as well, what other kind of mistakes should you not make when trying to build the world's biggest whiskey bar? With that, enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Jonathan Salky, who writes us on Patreon, one of our Patreon members. He has the question, I would like to know why Maker's Mark doesn't sell aged bourbon. He's essentially, he has a long uh, kind of question that's getting around to why don't they have aged bourbon? Well, they do have aged bourbons. They don't put age statements on there. Maker's Mark has been very emphatic since the very beginning that they make uh, whiskey to taste, not an age statement. Business-wise, when you have an age statement on there, you have to wait until you have old enough whiskey to bottle it, whereas if you don't have an age statement on there, it just has to be a minimum of four years old. And so you can have a four-year-old barrel in there mixed with a nine-year barrel, and you don't have to put an age statement on there. If it's under four, you do have to put an age statement on there by law. But if you were to put an age statement on a composite of 29-year barrels with one four-year barrel, that age statement would have to be four years old by law. So you, the, the age statement always has to be the youngest barrel in the batch. That being said, Maker's Mark is is very you know, tried and true. They love talking about how Maker's Mark is made to taste and not based on an age. And they used to have a, in their in their tour, I don't know if they still do this, but last time I was there, they did not do this. Maybe it's because I was there. I don't know. But they had a, they, they used to call it Maker's Mark Overaged. And it would be a 12-year Maker's Mark. Well, Bill Samuels, who was is the former chairman, chairman emeritus now, uh, we honored him at the Kentucky Derby Museum for my legend series that I do. And he had that in the audience to taste. And I was like, I said, Bill, if you all released this today, it would be American Whiskey of the Year and maybe Whiskey of the World. This is amazing. And he's like, no, this is over-oaked. This isn't good. Yada, yada, yada. And you all know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or been watching my YouTube channel, you know I don't like over-oaked whiskey. I'm very sensitive to it. And if I taste oak, I'm going to be able to call it out. There was no oak in that. That was butter, velvety, caramel, just gorgeous. And I asked the audience, I was like, would you like to see this on the shelves? Everybody in the room, I like 200 people, raised their hands. They all wanted to see it on the shelves. But it still goes against like the ethos of Maker's Mark. Maker's Mark is, you know, they do it to taste. And their stave profile that they do with the Maker's 46 and the uh, private selections, that's also very on brand for them. So for them to come out with an age-stated product after all these years, and by the way, you can go on my Twitter account. I, I'm always calling them out. Come out with a 12-year-old. Come out with a 12-year-old. Always on that. You know, that would go against their brand. And Maker's Mark, if they are anything, they are on point, on brand all the time. So I, I don't know if you'll see it. That's one of the big dreams of mine is that Maker's Mark will come out with an age-stated product, preferably a 12-year-old. That's going to do it for this week's Above the Char. If you want to be like Jonathan, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Click the contact button, and if I like the idea, I'll read it on the air. Till next week, cheers. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. 
And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. And they're off for another Gift 270-2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or TheBourbonConcierge.com, and you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits, and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody. We're back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. I'm excited today because we finally have some people on the show that have a bourbon collection that rivals mine and yours. Uh, I think it smokes yours. <laughs> it definitely does. And that's a, that's a big task, <laughs> big feat. Uh, when you walk in this place, I mean, it's got... I don't think you have a moving ladder yet that slides around the shelves. No, I don't have that. And I don't have nine stacked deep of everything on there either. That's It's impressive to go and see everything that's built. Nor glass lockers. And there's just bourbon and bourbon barrels everywhere. It's like it's like bourbon heaven. It is a bourbon mecca. Bourbon mecca. That's, yeah. that's a better word to describe it. That's what I would say too. So we've we've talked about this establishment on the show before about uh, Watch Hill proper. We've talked about it plenty of times. We threw an event there at one point. It was... <laughs> we broke it in. We broke it in. I think that was <laughs> the best way to say it. And it was just, a, it's been great. You know, I, even, even now we love the support that we've been able to, because I know our guests have supported us a long time through this journey. We've been able to help support them. We love to be able to take people out there. We love having our own locker there with some of our own bottles and stuff like that too. So I like having a member number. Yes. It makes me feel special <laughs> <laughs> when I can reserve on the app and it's, yeah, it's a nice touch. So. It's much better than a gym membership. It is much it, better. Yeah. I'd I love watch Hill proper. It's been, it's such a cool concept, you know, that we didn't have that. It was like a missing piece in Louisville, you know, it was like, you had like places that were good restaurants and then they had a good bourbon selection, but it wasn't like, bourbon focused i mean you had like bourbon's bistro but even then it was still kind of like fragmented this is like a whole immersive experience where you got like you know just bourbon fans but i mean you go in there any night and there's like i tell everyone if you want to be seen you go to watch your proper yes. like if you're in the industry and you want somebody to notice you you go there because there's somebody from the industry always there so it's just a cool concept that uh that was missing and needed in this area. It's a regular who's who of bourbon when you come in there. You don't know which master distiller is going to be there. You'll see Peg, you know, Stevens. You'll see Fred Minnick. Heck, you might see Ryan Cecil show up. Who knows? I do. But I try to like keep my head down. You know, it's like, <laughs> just be incognito, but sometimes it's tough. Well, let's go ahead and introduce our guests today. So our today on the show, we have Joshua Howes and Tommy Craggs. They are the owners of Watch Hill Proper. So fellas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I just first want to say thank you both so much for the support that you've shown the podcast over the past, gosh, five plus years. And I know, Josh, you've been a supporter on the Patreon side for a very long time. So just 
we're just glad that we can extend this thank you back to you as well, because I think that what you all have done and what you all built is is pretty fascinating. But before we get into Watch Hill, before we get into how you built it, some of the hurdles and you know all the roadblocks that come along the way with doing this, of building a bourbon bar, let's just kind of learn a little bit more about you all. So before bourbon, before any of this, and, and what's kind of like your, your career progression been like? So for me, this is Josh, uh, basically been an entrepreneur for 20 something years. I went to school at UK as a civil engineer, uh, did regular engineering for about five, six years out of school, and then kind of broke out on my own, did a lot of home building, a lot of remodeling, owned a cabinet company for a while, things were going good. And then I, I kind of got back into the engineering world in 20... 11. What, what, what took you to doing cabinets? Was it just a, <laughs> like a, a, an itch no. that you, like, would somebody say like, I need to get my kitchen remodeled. Well, I guess I'll just go ahead and start a cabinet company. Uh, well, so no, I was doing new home building and remodeling, like, and we started specializing in kitchen, bathrooms, things like that. And so, um, I kind of got to know some, you know, just all the people, the locals in Louisville that were in the, you know, in the home building industry. And so, two guys, uh, one was in cabinets, one was a carpenter and we just kind of joined up together and said, let's do this cabinet thing and, and do remodeling along with it. And so actually the cabinets that are in the bar are from my manufacturer that I used back, back in the day. Yeah. He made them all for me. He's kind of moved on, but he was like, I'll make those for you. So, really so cool. yeah. They so, um, were you doing GC work? Was that what your role mm -hmm. was? Okay. Yeah, yeah. But then it got into more hands-on, so I was actually doing a lot of the the work myself. So I would install, do trim, do crown molding, and all that stuff with my own hands. And it was very, I mean, it's a peaceful and you know not the GC aspect of it, but when I'm you gonna say peaceful doesn't uh, yeah it seems so like you know, everybody's mad at you if yeah. you're a contractor. <laughs> well, we we kind of had a system down. It was very you know you know I'm an engineer, so I build systems. That's what I do. So we had a very you know very structured eight week kitchen remodel system. It was all custom, but the days where you're installing cabinets or you're trimming the house and you can just put your headphones on, turn the phone off, and just work with your hands. You know, it's very peaceful. You know, it's very cathartic. So I enjoyed those days. I miss them a little bit, but went back into engineering world, started my own engineering company. Uh, so that's what I was doing when we kind of hatched this idea for the bar was I've, our company is about 10 years old. It's actually in March will be March, 2023 is our 10 year anniversary. So we're 10 years old and um, we run an engineering firm here locally. It's a national firm. And so I was pretty well knee deep in that you know, in that world right before we hatched this idea. So you just didn't, you didn't like free time. Is that yeah, what it came down much. to? Okay. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Actually we had a lot of free time on our hands. It was, we kind of hatched this idea in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, you know, we were all sitting around, you know, looking at our families and everything and like, uh, you know, work had slowed down quite a bit and just bourbon was just going crazy over the pandemic with, with what you guys had going on and just, liquor sales were up and everybody was just really like kind of, you know, building a community around bourbon. I just got the bug. It just got too much. To, you know, it's like, I got to do something. <laughs> I can't just make it a hobby. I yeah. yeah. It's like, I'm buying too we, much. We, we know the feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it's I like, to I got to justify this to my wife. Exactly. I, I start to turn this bad habit into like where I'm making money you know? <laughs> <laughs> instead of spending it. So, so yeah, I mean, so we were, we did have a lot of free time on our hands at that point, but but that's what I was into. All right. Well, we'll talk about the idea and how that hatched. But Tommy, kind of give us some your background as well. Well, I can't drive a nail and I know nothing <laughs> about engineering. Um, I was at, in the bar business probably 25 years ago. Got out, got in the liquor store with uh, the guys at Fowl, as a matter of fact. And so the Frankfurt Avenue Liquor. Yeah, Frankfurt yeah. Avenue Liquor. Uh, was in that for seven years, eight years. Then I probably saw you at a camp out one time. Oh, I'm sure. Way, that. way back in the day. Way back yeah. in the day when you actually used to camp out for stuff. Yeah, those were those were so much fun now, yeah. everybody. Drinking just, Tornado E.H. Taylors. <laughs> yeah. Like they're nothing. Exactly. <laughs> and so I left there. I went to Heaven Hill. Loved Heaven Hill. I would still be there. I would have retired from there. I loved it. They were so good to me. What were and you then, doing at Heaven Hill? I did a little bit of everything. First, I was doing some tours, you know, and then I got into where I was writing for them a little bit and... 
was talking on the phone and then they kind of put me in front of people to where I was talking about bourbon. I did like in, during the pandemic, it was, we did so many virtual tastings. It was awesome. I mean, you're doing this tasting and the people were in Australia or Japan. I mean, they had them set up. So it was just crazy. And then you had the tastings where you had two or three people from Minnesota, which was cool. And we did a lot of those, made a lot of hand sanitizer uh, and gave it away. <laughs> it's so funny. I must say that about the Shapiro family. They preach and teach family, and they absolutely stick to their words. I mean, they they never laid anybody off. Everybody still got their checks, and so um, I have nothing but good things to say about them. And then, so Josh and I were bleacher dads. Both our kids played baseball in school, and we would talk about bourbon, and he would bring his customers, clients, to Heaven Hill. I may give them a behind-the-scenes tour or something like that, and so... He asked me at one point, has there ever been an idea that you've had that you never really pursued? And I said, I had had some ideas. Uh, I thought an idea that would have been cool was to most of the, the, the social media groups, the bourbon groups, don't have brick and mortars. And so we thought, let's get a house. Let's remodel it. And we'll make it bourbon centric. And so we could rent like a it a bourbon out. fried house or something. Yeah. And so, you know, they could come and have... Uh, they could come and have a tasting and yeah. whatever they wanted Two to do and then clean it yeah. up. And then we would rent it out to another people. And that idea lasted about 12 seconds, really. And then <laughs> uh, we, it's, it's just kind of happenstance. We were at the summit. There was a building over there that was going out and it was like, nah, it just didn't, it, it wasn't what our vision was. And we went, drove over to Norton Commons and right as we were turning, the, the agent walked out from the building and we were like, do you know anything about, you know, this building? And she was like, I know everything about this building. I'm the agent. And so this is November. So we sat on some buckets and gravel and talked to her for about an hour. And then it was just like, we need this spot. <laughs> they actually had us at the very end uh, at first. And so then they moved us. And at first we were like, no, we, we want the other end. And I'm so glad it worked out that we have it now so we can have the fermenter as you walk in and it worked out good. So you, you didn't necessarily have the concept. You were just looking at a space and we're like, we'll make the figure out the concept for after we find a space. We knew certain things that we want. If, I tell people when I'm in at Watch Hill, if you would have asked Josh or I two years ago, is this what we thought we would have? Absolutely not. It's it's on such a, a grander scale. And so uh, we love it, and you know everyone seems to love it, but we didn't really know that it was going to look exactly. The only thing that we knew was barrels. I think we knew that <laughs> barrels. We knew that we wanted barrels to kind of have the rickhouse effect. But other than that, you know, we just we don't really have any taste, to be perfectly honest. So <laughs> yeah, we, you his know, wife shops at our house because that's what well, it, it reminds me of. It watch it. It's like an our house. Actually, we we did design it ourselves. We pretty oh, really? well designed it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it looks we, good. We had uh, Design Plus was our, our our architect, and he kind of gave us a little bit of the the barrel structure and that kind of focus. And we had an interior decorator that, you know, we kind of ran things through a little bit, but, you know, a lot of it was just like, here's our color scheme. What do you think? And then, you know, we kind of argue about it for a little while. And then it's like, well, that's what we want to do. So we're, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> she would look at us and, you know, we have those glow in the dark yellow chairs that are in the lounge. And she's like, are you out of your flipping mind, man? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, we love them. And so, you know, so it's, it, you know it, to us, it had to be eclectic. Yeah. It had to look the part. It had to be really cool oversized couches and, and leather chairs and stuff that, you know, really didn't go together, yeah. but it does go together. So, but it was some, you know, we, we kind of took some risks with the colors. Um, I think they've proven to be good decisions. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we did take advice from our designer and we did take advice from our architect and we did take some of their advice and do things that they said, but we did a lot of it on our own as well. So, you know, it's something we're proud of from that standpoint. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think the interesting thing here is that neither of you come from a background of being restaurant owners no. or owning or running and managing a bar. At some point, did you go, are we in over our head? Yeah. We About still a are. Million times. <laughs> <laughs> One yesterday. Million times. <laughs> Did we say that yesterday? <laughs> yeah, I mean, all the time. Honestly, uh, you know, not now. I don't think. I mean, that's kind of a joke. I think we're starting to get our legs under us right now. But early on, you know, the first couple of months, <laughs> yeah. Once we opened the doors, it was like, oh boy, what have we done? Yeah. So, like you just said, like you're like, is this what we envisioned when we first started? What was that initial vision? I know you kind of touched on the frat house for bourbon communities but you know our our goal with the initial vision was 
we were both really frustrated. I mean, we have we have longer term plans with with some bourbon education and different things that we feel that can be done better, you know, or maybe done differently. But initially, our plans were we were frustrated that allocated and oftentimes the some of the best whiskey is unattainable. Nobody can get their hands on it. They can't taste it. They can't even look at the bottles. They, you know, we're all bourbon hunters. We've been everywhere trying to find those bottles that we, you know, that we've heard about or the new expression that's come out that you can't ever find. And so we wanted to make those accessible to everybody. So that was our goal at the beginning. And then it was a matter of how do we do this? How do we figure it out? And then once we kind of hatched our plan, started looking at different spaces. I mean, I think we looked at a church, an abandoned church. We looked at all different like types of places and then trying to find the right facility. But then like in the back of my mind, I'm like, well, this has to like make money. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I can't just cost me more money than it's already costing me to buy these bottles, right? At some point it has to at least pay for itself. Um, and so when we found the Norton Common spot, then it just became, what do we have to do to pay for this? And it just, it kind of snowballed, you know, because then it's, well, we need food and then we need, you know, we can't just have bourbon and it's an expensive rent and different things. Yeah. And and so that's where it kind of started to snowball a little bit. But our initial concept was just simply let's, we just really want a really nice collection because I had a lot of it already anyway. And so we were thinking, let's just get a room or a nice building, small and lease it out to, you know, have like memberships for bourbon groups to come in and just have their tastings there and have events and little things. And I mean, it was almost like going to be an honor system of like, just make a reservation and you can come in and have it that night. Your group can have it that night. Your group can have it that night and different things. And that was really the idea that just kind of snowballed on us. Yeah. Well, it definitely took a hard left turn at some point. It did. It did. And I think it came, I think there was two points for us and Tommy can chime in and fill in the details. But the first turning point was Norton Commons. When we found that space and it was available, it was like, do we make the decision now to essentially kind of abandon our idea of just doing a tasting room to building the biggest, baddest bourbon bar known to man? <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's how big this space is and we have to fill it. Like, and so it was like, let's go for it. Okay. And then the second big turning point was when we hired chef Michael Crouch, we toiled over that decision for days. Michael became available to us or at least open to talking to us. Um, he's a very well-respected local chef and uh mutual friend several mutual friends kind of reached out to him and said hey these guys are building something you should talk to them and he wasn't super content with where he was at at the time he was bourbon bistro's original chef landed at bistro 1860 for seven or eight years and had kind of been doing some independent stuff i uh, was looking at starting his own restaurant so we found out uh, over the last you know couple of years, and that just never panned out. And so we're sitting here thinking about hiring. Really, he doesn't. I don't know that he has the awards, but he should be an award-winning chef, a nationally known. He's that good. And oh, I remember the first time I think we came there to watch El Proper with me and my wife, and she was like, "Is that?" Is that Michael Crouch? She was fangirling. Yeah. Like she was really fangirling <laughs> yeah, because we, we we've that. known about him for for a long right. time, and we've yeah. we've been to we've been to Beach Road eighteen sixty nine. We've been to Bourbon's East Road when he was there. Yeah, and so she she was very much well aware of who he was. Right, and I remember the first time that we were there. And he came over to the table and he said, how hey, is everything? And yeah. it's like, she was <laughs> fluttering. She's like, oh she's like waving. Goodness. She's like, oh dear heavens. I can't, please, keep it. we cannot <laughs> let over here. Yeah, part. don't tell him that, please. please. Yeah. His head is enormous. <laughs> enormous. So to go back, so go back. A but that bit. was our other yeah. big turning point where it was like, now we have to do more than just bar food. Yeah. Now we're really sure. turning a corner. Well, talk about Norton Commons. If people don't know, Norton Commons is this essentially like a, 
I'd say what a thousand house community. It's the Truman Show. It is. It's so. <laughs> it's a well. It's a neighborhood it's a, it's a where you nice have bubble. about yes. probably a thousand residents. You know, in a probably two mile, three mile radius that have everything there. You know, like pharmacy, doctors, restaurants, bars, all within golf cart ride or walking distance. So, like, yes, it's a it's great its own community. Yeah, it's its own community, mm-hmm. but it's not. I guess located where bourbon tourism is no. per se. And so like talk about like weighing those options. Like we have this great communal aspect that we can have consistency, but we're gonna maybe miss out on the tourism aspect of it. Everything was downtown. I mean, there wasn't really anything out this way. To go back just a little bit, we actually got on some planes and we wanted That's to true. see if if this existed anywhere. We were pretty confident that it did not exist in Louisville or Kentucky, which was which was kind of shocking to us, to be honest. So we got on a plane. We went out west, went to a couple spots. We ended up at Multnomah Whiskey Library, and we walked in. It's like Shangri-La. You walk in, and you see the bourbon wall, and we were just like, wow, it's like seeing the ocean for the first time. And so we got to know Ed a little bit. We blatantly stole a lot of his ideas, and we have told him that, you know, when we've talked to him. Uh, he had that. He had it's just a lot smaller than we are, but he had the, you know, the leather, and he had a wall. Our wall, that's, we, that is one thing that we knew that we wanted was the wall. We knew that we wanted barrels to make it kind of have a rickhouse feel, and we knew we wanted a badass wall. You know, because for one, we figured that was our way to people come in and take pictures and media and that type of thing. So it's it, a statement. It is. It, yeah. It's not a wall. It's a tower. It, it is a tower. You <laughs> know what's so or funny? Or a dam or something. It's, it's, <laughs> big. It's, so, it's so funny. We have had people walk in, and the fermenter is right there to the right as you walk in. But they've looked at that wall and they're like, wow, that really is amazing. And that's, and I'm like, oh man, you better hold on to yourself. And by the way, you need to, you need to tell people what the fermenter is because they're probably thinking it's actually so like when a you walk, fermenter. Yeah. So when you walk in, we just named it that. It's a little bar as you walk in, kind of a, we figured it it's could a waiting be an room. overflow, a waiting room, or, or just people who like to belly up to a smaller bar. Uh, it was great for that, and so uh, we. It's been proven now that on Friday and Saturday, it's a nice little place for them to sit if they want a cocktail while they're waiting for their uh, waiting for their table. But uh, so yeah, they'll see that wall. I call it the fermenter because it just you ferment in there. Yeah. You're just waiting. You're just waiting to get into the main, you know, into the still. You're waiting to get into the main area. It's so funny. He was, <laughs> and when he was talking about Michael Crouch, it's so funny when we interviewed Michael. Because we didn't, our kitchen was as big as a shoebox. Seriously, it was tiny. And we tried to have the whole interview without him asking to see the kitchen. <laughs> and so we, we had it. We stand up, we're done. And he's like, you know, can I see the space? And it's like, shit. You know, and, and we just figured it's over. <laughs> we got and room so before Michael we back here. He walked, he walked through the kitchen door, still being built at that point, and, and just kind of looked and was like, where's the rest of it? Uh-huh. And we're like, you know, if you have any desire to, be a part of this we'll see what we can do and so we begged the landlord for more space and, and it ended up working out but his first reaction was like man i'm really excited about this and we're like oh my gosh we're going to get him out of here without him asking to see the spot and he didn't so <laughs> but it all worked out it was cool yeah i was about to say you can fit four microwaves back in that first kitchen oh, man, or something it's like so that tiny. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah it's small so we did a second construction project after we finished the first one to build another 500 square feet onto the kitchen so that they would have walk-in fridge, just more storage, more elbow room. So And if you ask him, it is still a it's very It's still tiny too small. Yeah. It's still, and that's our one regret, our it one is. mistake. We'd have a kitchen that's twice the size. But again, our initial concept was really flatbreads and charcuterie charcuterie boards boards and really just minimal amount of food that wasn't really the plan yeah talk about now like what percentage of i guess is food versus spirits or revenue 50 50 50 50 wow that's Mm -hmm. awesome yeah i mean in our cocktail program is really carla green is is our cocktail mixologist you know creative director and so she's also in a class of her own um she's going to be famous you know uh, if she isn't already just from her ability to take so our concept is only american whiskey so we're the we bill ourselves as the largest american whiskey bar in the country maybe maybe the world i don't know that there's really any difference you have a you had a tagline too at some point too right yeah nothing foreign nothing clear no beer so that's our concept, but which is essentially a cute way of saying it's just American whiskey. That's what we do. So we don't have anything in the bar that's not American whiskey uh, from a spirit standpoint. So 
all of our cocktails are also made with just American whiskey. So we have a lot of cocktails that we draw people in to try to give them their initial experience with whiskey through a cocktail. And so they may be, uh, you know, a tequila fan. And so they love margaritas, but we have a whiskey margarita. And so our margarita has kind of that hint of whiskey in it. But honestly, most people, when they have it, it they're it like, are you sure yeah. this has, this is not a, you know, so th- she's a, she's a magician that's, when it comes to the, 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 that's a testament to her. She, she <clears throat> is a, a, a wizard. The one that impresses me is the, I think it's the one that comes with the bird. It's like a Cosmo or, mm-hmm. or it's like Cosmo, your, their, yeah. their version of the Cosmo yeah, because correct. you're like, there's no way you can make bourbon taste like a Cosmo, but <laughs> by God, she did it. Yeah, she does. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's our way of introducing people to whiskey, but um, it's also kind of our little gimmick. So I think the, where we turned the corner also when we decided to go Norton Commons and just go big or go broke was we're going to celebrate Louisville, Kentucky. We're going to celebrate Kentucky bourbon. Barstown and Louisville, you know, they fight over who's the capital of bourbon, but which one you pick, it doesn't matter. Like the state of Kentucky produces 90% of the bourbon in the country or in the world. And so uh, we're here and we're proud of it. We're both native Kentuckians. We're born and raised here. Uh, We've never lived anywhere else. And so we wanted to celebrate the bourbon industry. And so probably two thirds of our bottles are bourbon. The other third are American whiskey, whether it's rye or malt, but there's no, we don't have whistle pig. We don't have. That's the tough one. Whistle pig is a tough one for me. I mean, you got to have Dave Pickerel on your, on your bar and the, you know, the 50 fifties on the, on the American whiskey and Canadian whiskey. And if we, you know, if we stick to what we say, yeah, we can't have it. And that one's tough. So yeah, no Canadian whiskey. You know, no tequila, no rum, no vodka. So we get a lot of pushback, but also no beer. So um, we're here to celebrate whiskey. And uh, it, that's been interesting. That's been a fun. I'm sure it's tough to stick to your gun. It, it is. It's it been tough. It is. But I do like that because even my wife, who hated whiskey and bourbon, you know, I think. Up until I, what, two years ago, probably? Yeah, I think it was that damn margarita you're talking about <laughs> that she had that and then she was like okay i can wrap my head around this and then she moved from that to like a whiskey sour and then she lose that to old fashioned. Oh, it's like you know so it kind of like was a gateway to her and, yeah. and now she like appreciates she she still doesn't like bourbon but she likes rye now she like so she really nice. likes rye yeah yeah so, so that's our focus that's been our goal really is uh for people to come in who don't like whiskey but maybe their husband or their wife brought them in and they're like, I really want to go. And so they tag along and, you know, you introduce them to something through a cocktail and then they're like, well, I actually kind of like that. So then you come back and you, and you just start experimenting and getting a little bit more whiskey and, you know, getting a cocktail that's more whiskey forward and then eventually trying something neat and just progressing through into where you're now, now you're a fan and you're yeah, hooked. For sure. So, and so arguably, I think you've already started winning some prizes, awards of best whiskey bar in America, or at least top tens right. and everything like that as well. But Josh, you had said you'd started with a, a pretty significant collection to get into this, mm-hmm. but how did you build out that, that collection even more? Because you go in, you look at the glass cases and you've got, you've got a lot of unicorns in there. There's a lot of stuff that's old Van Winkles or some double Eagles. There's, <laughs> there's a lot of crazy stuff that y'all have going on there. So kind of talk about some of the procurement along the way of what it took to be able to do that. And was it there day one or is this an ongoing thing as well? A lot of it was day one. Like I said, a lot of it came from stuff that I had collected over the years. But honestly, a lot of the stuff that's kind of unicorn area has come since we opened or at least since we announced that we were coming. As soon as, you know, as, you know, with the vintage spirits law in Kentucky, it makes it a legal sale if, if the transaction takes place, you know, in the bar and they come to us and, and the whole deal. And so, um, we get not daily, but definitely weekly emails from people who are like, Hey, I'm looking to sell, you know, some of my bottles and this and that. And so, you know, if we can come do a deal, we end up, if it's something we don't have or whatever. So we end up getting those. Um, but yeah, a lot of that has just been, a lot of that's been over the last year where they've just kept coming and coming and coming. And it's hard for me to say no. <laughs> and they always want about five times uh, what it's really worth. That's yeah, the trouble. Right. They'll look up online and they'll see, they'll find a retailer online somewhere that has that bottle. Right. And it's, 50% more than it's oh, yeah. last auction value or whatever and that kind of thing. Um, and so it's that's been 
kind of a challenge a little bit trying to get people to understand that you know it's we're kind of like a used car lot you know what i mean it's like if you're we gonna gotta, bring me we your gotta car, make margin too <laughs> yeah it's like i can't really pay like retail because that's what i'm gonna sell it for so <clears throat> his basement it it was funny i mean just to see all those bottles i mean everywhere i mean i'm looking around and you have bottles everywhere too but it was like a semi-truck and there was just a line of our workers just passing boxes back and forth. I mean, you don't realize how much you really have until you move it. And it was just, I mean, it's amazing. And then we had our staff filling in, you know, those, the cubbies are cool. But when we started putting the bottles in, that's when it was like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is what we thought. This is what we envisioned. And, you know, we had, a, we had soft openings and we would have a quarter of it done on the first soft opening. And then the next soft opening, we'd have half of it done, then three quarter. And so about... With about three or so soft openings remaining, we had the whole wall, and then it was just like it's yeah. it's what we envisioned. It was yeah. so cool. Yeah. You mentioned staff. That's a brings up a good question. It's like obviously people have a hard time staffing hospitality and service, but how hard? I mean, with a specific niche like bourbon, I guess, and like you know, there's a huge education piece because you don't want somebody serving this, you know, because all these brands have backstories and meanings and this and that, like. How hard is it to like train or who trains or how do you say, cause your staff is excellent at explaining what you're buying or what you're drinking, the history behind it, this and that. That's tell, really me cool. what, tell me the story be on row 29 of page 58. Like tell me about mm -hmm. that yeah. particular whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. Obviously, people have a hard time staffing hospitality and service, but how hard, I mean, with a specific niche like bourbon i guess and like you know there's a huge education piece because you don't want somebody serving this you know because all these brands have backstories and meanings and this and that like how hard is it to like train or who trains or how do you say because your staff is excellent at explaining what you're buying or what you're drinking the history behind it this and that that's tell me cool. what tell me the story be on row 29 of page 58 like tell me about mm -hmm. that yeah. particular whiskey yeah mm -hmm. it, and you know the the part of finding the bottle is cool but the art of putting the bottle back is just as important because <laughs> you know if you're off a cubby or two it's done. Yeah, you're, it's you're not going to find yeah. it in the heat of somebody placing the order, the whiskey hustlers going up to get the bottle, bringing it back down. So there is... Is you that know, their title, whiskey hustler? Whiskey hustler. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. We didn't like bar back. Yeah. So. But I mean, it's been, you know, our, our staff is, to us, is world class. I mean, they have so much that they have to learn. It's on a daily basis. I mean, we have education, you know, through Carla or through myself or through any of our managers. It's a lot to learn. And so, you know, they, it's, it's been cool. It's been good that they have been as receptive to the education and that we, we told them, you know, when we were doing the hiring, it's like, look, this is not a point and serve bar. This is not, you know, give me a Jack and Coke. Yeah, We're going to have to have an order taker. Yeah. You're, you're going to have to be able to explain it. And they, they've done very well. We all have a long way to go. Yeah. I mean, there's 17, almost 1800 bottles on that wall now. And it's just, you know, it's overwhelming to us. So we make sure that we are, are giving them useful information. So when they're touching a table or taking an order that they can talk about it a little bit. So I'll, yeah, I'll kind of add to that. So, 
we do in-house tastings. We do in-house education. Carla's good at, at doing that. Tommy's good at doing that. But I think what has been the most effective is having the distilleries come in and do their own education. And so it's not necessarily like super formal. Some of them do come in on our day off and actually take us through a couple hours of their backstory and tasting through their products and all that kind of stuff. But usually once a week we have what we call a meet and greet. So a distillery will come and kind of park uh, at our front table for an hour and a half and, you know, hand out samples of their whiskey and talk about their story and just answer questions, sign bottles, whatever it is. And so our staff gets to kind of participate in that as well, you know, so they can go over, they can taste, they can ask questions. And so every week they get a new distillery that comes in, whether it's a master distiller or a brand rep or whoever it is that's that's coming to do the meet and greet. And so our staff really gets a, kind of a, a firsthand education from them. And then we were real good about doing it before and, and Christmas, uh, got, November, December kind of got busy. So we got sidetracked, but this year we're back back to doing at least a couple of times a month, we would go to a distillery. You know, we have so many that are within an hour's drive of us. And so we would take a day and we try to pair it with that meet and greet. So if the, if we've got a distillery coming on Tuesday or Wednesday to do a meet and greet, then on our, our Monday, our staff would go to that distillery, get the firsthand experience, you know, learn the story. Then when people would come in, they could talk about it and, and be educated about it. So it's, it's an ongoing process. We don't know every brand story that's on our wall. I mean, there's, there's so many of them up there. We just, we all don't know them all. So it's, it's kind of our all's, all of our goal to continually learn about all the brands. We constantly invite reps. Uh, we had a couple of our bartenders, like for instance, go down the Garrison brothers have like a bartenders retreat and where they kind of teach them about all about their brand. So they've gone down to those things. And so we just, any kind of education opportunity that pops up, we're, we're just like, yes, please, we'll take that. We, you know, it, it's tough. It was really tough when we were doing the hiring. I mean, we had a lot of people apply. And, you know, as soon as they kind of got the idea that this wasn't your normal place, they were kind of, and they were gone. But what we, what Josh and I really wanted to do is we wanted to, there's, you know, when you're in the service industry, you get the, your service industry job. And the very first thing that you start thinking is, where is my next service industry job? Everybody's always looking. We wanted it to stop with us. And so, you know, we wanted to give them uh, the ability to have insurance and 401k and stuff that other places weren't doing. That was just because that's the staff that we wanted. We didn't want them to have to keep looking for other jobs. And so to go make a quarter more somewhere else. Yeah. Hour. And so, yeah. So, you, you actually, you took the question out of my mouth because I was going to ask, what do you do to retain talent like that as well? That's, I mean, we, we went in with that idea of making sure that we were going to pay them a good wage to where they could really make a, a living and a good living, you know, working, uh, with us and for us. And so yeah. we've still had some, you know, listen, everybody gets headhunted. If you're, if you're top of your class, if you're good and they knew that they were not going to survive at Watch Hill proper. And if they did survive at Watch Hill proper, they were like, we're going to headhunt them. We've had it happen. I mean, it, that's it just part a lot. of, that's part that's of the okay. game. I mean, we've, we're, we're very upfront with our staff. Our goal for them is really to kind of elaborate on what Tommy means, like your next service industry job isn't just another service industry job. So we want to make you better. So if you're going to work for us, when you go find your next job, it needs to be another level, right? So whatever you're trying to get into, so it might be, you might go work for a distillery and be a brand ambassador, or you might go be the head bartender of another bar instead of just a bartender. You know what I mean? So we want you to come in. We want you to take the education seriously. We want you to take your job seriously and start learning, you know, because essentially every week you're getting to meet and greet industry people. You talked about it earlier in your intro. It's a who's who in there every night. So, and you know, and so you can, there's so many people and so many opportunities for our staff to meet industry people. So if your vision or your, your next job is to get a job as a professional you know, working for a brand or a distillery or running a bar or, or whatever it is, we're trying to get you there. Like we want you to use yeah. us as that stepping stool and some get picked more quickly than others, you know, but you know, we're 
generally happy when when yeah. they get picked, you know, because they're moving on to a, a better position, you know, a better personal place. They're leaving for their family, you know, they're they're yeah. able to support. Yeah, their they're families. leaving better than they than they were. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of the you know I get it. So I mean, you get to the point where you're like, all right, you industry folk, you've you've, you've <laughs> had too many people. <laughs> you're not allowed back. No, <laughs> it's okay. I'm just yeah. start signing contracts <laughs> with your employees. Yeah, non. Yeah. yeah, I'm very anti. That's real big in my engineering world uh, or the non competes, mm -hmm. and so I've been very adamant against non-competes we don't have those and so a lot of that you know it doesn't always work out that way we have a lot of bartenders that just come in or or servers or hustlers or you know whatever hostess whatever it is they come in and it's just not for them and and they they don't last long but um <laughs> they look know. at the wall and they go yeah i have to learn all of that <laughs> and and they'll well can i go to the restroom and you don't see them but you know for the most part honestly our true vision for our staff though is that that they stick with us they come you know they come in work six months a year two years and then they leave to a better place to something that they really the service industry stuff i mean it's a it's a nighttime job. You work weekends, you work holidays, you know, it's not, it's not a very family friendly job, you know, and if you have kids, you have, you know, spouses, you need to find that job. And so we have several that have left to go work day jobs, you know, the more than nine to five and, and get a salaried position somewhere else and different things. And all, I mean, we love that. I mean, that's, it doesn't, you know, always work out, but hopefully the longer we exist, the more we see those successes for our staff. That's yeah, cool. that's very cool. I want to come back to like you said, uh, you know, once we saw the Norton Commons, we had to like <laughs> actually make this a business. So yes. talk us through that. Like, how did you like say, okay, the business side, I guess I'm thinking like, mm -hmm. like, how did you make a business plan? Yeah. How did you make like, how many drinks am I going to sell or oh, like, yeah? how many, how many bottle sales can I do or how many, you know, industry events or this or that? Like, how did you go about like, What's finding that information? Formula. Yeah, we're still working on those. I mean, we we think about that stuff all the time. You know, we Josh and I have idea after idea, and then we have kind of the the same thought process: is why not just try it? If it if it pops in our head and we discuss it, why not just try it? If it doesn't work, guess what? We won't do it again. But we we have learned that that's a really good method for us, uh, whatever it involves. So we'll try something and be like, yeah, that. That was absolutely no good or other things that, you know, turn out to be good. So uh, as far as the, it's an ever, ever changing thing. But I know where you're going with that because I've heard you all talk about, especially your, as a beyond the, beyond the, behind the pursuit, behind the pursuit. Yeah. yeah. So I do enjoy that because you all kind of really get more personal about kind of your business aspect and, you know, talking about the, the business side of the brand. So we did, we had a business plan. Happy to send it to you. Uh, it's, uh, we, <laughs> there are a few uh, things that got crossed out that aren't there anymore. Honestly, we we went back and looked at it more kind of recently, and it was it was scary. It was scary how good it was. It was. It was. Yeah. It, uh, we stuck to it well. Um, our numbers that we predicted, as far as the, on the expense side, have we've pretty much stuck to it. Our salary budgets and our employee budgets as far as you know what our payroll is and what our rent is and what our utility costs are and all of those types of expenses we fairly pretty well nailed those yeah. honestly for not being in the restaurant business it's shockingly accurate how well we researched and kind of nailed were you just going to other bars and asking it or like, oh yes i mean ed at multnoma um, was was a jewel in that regard i mean he literally just said here's my books you yeah. know take a look it's like all right and I, in my mind i'm like all right you have a bottle you know and of yeah. course you break down the cost per ounce and yeah. like somebody's gonna have an ounce and a half per pour but then yeah. You have the ingredients, okay, and then you're like, well, how do you factor in like all the other shit? Yeah, <laughs> into oh, man. that yeah. fourteen dollar cocktail, you know? You do. I mean? um, we did. I mean, numbers. We we wrote it out. Yeah, everything. So you know, we're the the revenues aren't quite where we predicted them to be because obviously that we you know we were going to be busy seven nights a week, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and be on a wait seven nights a week. So those numbers aren't there. That yet. didn't happen. It's, it's just like, like <laughs> it's just like the people bringing in bottle values, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, we were like, oh well, that's how they're busy they are it's like yeah but they've been around for 10 years so uh, we're still building that aspect of it up from the revenue side but uh, as far as counting our costs uh, making sure even if things revenue wise didn't work out as planned that we had those those funds in place and different things like that and so it's it was definitely 
I hope we're right kind of a thing when we put the business plan out there. Uh, but we, we did pretty good. The person who we had to impress, uh, he read the business plan and he, I saw him at an event and he said it was uh, as well written and put together of a business plan that he had ever read. He'd been in the business about 50 years. He said, because initially when we told him, Oh, they said no way. They, they were like our landlord. He was like, what? He, they didn't, they didn't quite understand. What do you mean a whiskey bar? And so we tried to tell them they, they had no interest. They read the business plan. They called us back and said, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll talk so, to you. Yeah, so it was it was a good business plan. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, he was, he was very complimentary. <clears throat> yeah, but it was, uh, but it, you know, going back and rereading it, like I said, we've we've pretty well stuck to our gun. Everything that we said that we were going to do with this place, we've pretty much done it. Pretty well. Yeah, pretty well. I mean, there's more stuff to do, but all the stuff that we promised, that we guaranteed that we were going to do, we've only been open for, what, nine, ten months now, and we've done all of it. Yeah. Man, when we were first, by. it's, it's yeah. so funny. When we were first coming out, you know, we we did a couple monkey surveys just to see, you know, what's important. What would a nice bourbon bar have? And so once it got going, we never really got. Everybody was pretty supportive, you know. Sometimes on the internet, they're like, "Oh, uh, whatever," you know, that'll that'll never work or whatever. But here, our pushback was is that people said there was a couple people that said I should say they were like, "Oh my goodness, you know, a whiskey bar in Norton Commons. They're gonna another bar that's gonna charge fifty dollars an ounce for Eagle Rare or whatever." And so Josh's idea was let's put our menu out for Buffalo Trace and from Heaven Hill. Our actual menu, what it was gonna be, we were nowhere ready. Uh, to to put it out there, but we wanted to show them that just because where we were sitting, where we were building, didn't mean that we were going. You were going to have to take out a second mortgage to come and hang out. Yeah. And so we put that out, and we never heard another word because our menu. I will still put it up against anybody's pricing. I mean, we we didn't want to have them come once or twice a year. We wanted people to be able to come on a month, monthly at least, or every other week or weekly basis. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to have those outrageous amounts, they're, they're going to come maybe derby, right? you know, yeah. but they're not going to come back and continually come back. Well, especially at Norton Commons, you want regulars because they can, for sure. they can stumble home. That's there. right. And, uh, <laughs> That's right. And, but it seems like they're really embracing. I know with our event, you know, I got to meet the so-called mayor of Norton Commons. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and uh, you know, it seems like the, the whole community has really embraced the, that whole concept. Yeah. That, yeah. And that's why we moved out there, you know, I guess a couple of fill in the blanks, you know, we hatched this idea during COVID. So you all mentioned downtown and that's what the tourist industry that we've, that we kind of miss out on not being downtown. We're working on that to bring the tourists out to us through a lot of the tour companies, you know, that have that kind of direct relationship. Louisville tourism has been fantastic, helpful to us and bringing people out to us. So they're, they're starting to find us, but where we were going with that is, you know, downtown was a mess. Sure. During yeah. 2020, right, right. and we were honestly scared. Uh, Eddie, Mer- Mer- uh, Eddie Merlot's, Merlot's yeah. was, you know, he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not going to, you know, and so we were genuinely worried about putting something downtown. We, you know, today, if we'd done this, it, it might be downtown. Uh, but back then, we were genuinely concerned about not just all of the disruption that was downtown, but, you know, people, I, we were generally more focused because we knew that was temporary, kind of the, the destruction and different things that were going on during COVID. But what may not be temporary is everybody was moving home to work, you know, like places like Humana and different places we're talking about maybe not calling their people back downtown to work and different things like that. And so that, that was a genuine concern that downtown wouldn't have kind of the vibrancy that it ever did. And it's starting to come back, which is great, but that's partly was our decision to go out to Norton commons to try to build something that's more out this way and do something that's more residential. And I think, you know, if you look at like a Nashville, you know, there's a lot of stuff out in Brentwood or yeah. Franklin. Franklin. It's not downtown. Cause, Cause Nashville's too crowded for me. I'm like, exactly. I'd, love, so, I'd rather go to Franklin. Right. You know? And so we're kind of, I guess we feel like we're the first ones there kind of in a sense. And so we're hope, hopeful over the next few years, hotels come our way, other bars come our way, other restaurants. And so, you know, maybe we can be, yeah, you, you, you've kind of seen that, kind like, of like, like the Malone's and all that starting yeah, yeah. to open up out there. So we're hopeful that that people will start coming out our way eventually, and so we're just kind of biting the bullet until then, you know. But then getting back to the pricing that, that Tommy was talking about and where you talked about business-wise, you know, again, our, our initial concept was to have bourbon that's accessible to everybody. 
And so our goal with our menu was if we put it on our menu, you know, maybe single barrel expressions set aside, but if it's a regular expression, we will never say we don't have this. So if we put Eagle Rare on our menu or Weller 12 or whatever it is, we will always have it, always. And so that's been our goal and and to be at a price that you can afford it. So yeah, maybe Pappy 23 is 200 bucks, you know, maybe, but Weller Red. I'm sure your, your, your rep's not coming in and be like, oh, hey guys, here's your allocation yeah. this year. <laughs> no, all your Pappy no we've never. No, no, no. Yeah. yeah, we don't get those. But green, you know, like green label Weller's eight bucks. Red label Weller's 10 bucks. Eagle Rare's nine or 10 bucks. Yeah. You can come in and get a pour for a, a good price. And we're an ounce and a half. I love yeah. an ounce and a half. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Forgot about that. Yeah, you're definitely an ounce and a half. Yeah. So I got another thing to kind of bring up, and hopefully it's not a, a PTSD kind of thing, because you talked about having to go out there and prove people wrong. I remember at the very beginning when people were talking about Watch Hill Proper, when it was coming out, be like, oh, it's a club only sort yeah. of thing. I was like, kind of like, talk about gonna... that because, you know, the idea of, of people out there that want to start bourbon clubs or bourbon uh, bars, like kind of talk well, about this thing. About, you know, who you have you know, the membership and we're like, well, we can do that too. But do you, do you know whose fault that is? Do you know whose fault that people it's thought their that? Fault. No, it, you're, you're looking at them right here because we, we pushed that so hard memberships 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 if i could go back and never say the word membership or member i never would so don't because, get you a member only jacket yeah yeah there you go and so what happened is is the last probably i don't know five or eight interviews that i had done with the news or good good evening live or whatever uh, i would always mention that you don't have to be a member. That was always my first statement is you don't have to be a member. And even people in Norton Commons, they would either be walking or they would call and say, hey, you know, are you guys ever going to have a night where you let the, you know, just the general public in? I'm like, yeah, tonight, you know, <laughs> to, right now. Today's your day. You can, you know, it's just, <laughs> hey, right. it, I mean, hey, called on the right call, day. Phone call after phone Today's call. Today's your day. <laughs> it just, it was crazy. And so we just really had to go back and take that kind of out and not talk about it. We The memberships were going to take care of themselves. You know, there's a, a fear of missing out. Those first 200 memberships were gone quick. I mean, they, you know, because it is FOMO, they, they, whether you're a business or whatever, at about 200 or so when we got there, we started realizing that, hey, we may have been talking about membership a little too much. You know, we still, that's a big part of our business, the memberships. You know, our members get special perks, special attention. Our staff knows every member or, you know, is encouraged to learn every member's name. Obviously, the more they come in, the more they, they get to know them. A lot of them are become our, you know, really good friends, sure. some of the members. So that's a real aspect to it. But I think we made it too big. We, we pushed it so hard at the beginning. We made everybody think it was a members only club. And we don't charge enough for membership <laughs> yeah, for it to a, be a members only club. It's a, it's so, a great value. Um, and and I, I, we, we enjoy it. It's a... It's a perk, um, you know, it, and it's really more of a, it, it's more of a frequent flyer club, honestly, kind of a thing. So the more often you come, the more it's going to pay off. Um, if you're only going to come a couple of times a year, it's, yeah, don't be a member. It's not worth, uh, it's not worth the money, but if you're going to come a lot, if you live in the neighborhood or if you live in, you know, that part of town, or you do a lot of business meetings and things like that coming out, uh, the membership's going to more than pay for itself. Cause you get discounts on drinks, you get free room fees and a lot of things that are waived and. But, you know, you get the attention from the staff. But, yeah, it was – that's definitely – I don't know. I was like, PTSD? What, what in the world? Like, <laughs> where, where am I going with Yeah, this that was guy? bad. So it was, uh, it was definitely a few months of trying to overcome our mistake of really misleading the public to think that it was a members-only club. Membership has its benefits for sure, but we love our walk-ins. We love our tour groups. We love those types of people coming out for sure. just any night. So we have – ton of private events we have private events a regular basis from the community wanting to use you know really impress mostly a lot of businesses you know wanting to do business parties or birthday parties and different things coming out and just wanting to show off the place and we love it we think it's mm -hmm. good well i got one more question that wouldn't give you ptsd okay oh. but the name watch hill proper how, oh, how was gosh. that born so i think initially it was was going to be just proper if I remember right, see, I have, I've told this story, but I, I, now I'm really trying to make sure that I'm accurate. I do know that the Watch Hill, I yeah, remember- Yeah, you're being recorded now, so you better well, be accurate. Well, I, <laughs> I remember driving to Josh's house. When we were doing this, I would go over to his house and we would, whatever we were discussing, and he lives 
it, near. right in right in front of Watch Hill Estates. And so, you know, we mentioned it one day, and the meaning of proper is kind of center of town, you know. And so, we said it all together one day, Watch Hill Proper, and it was just kind of like, whoa. That sounds yeah. pretty good. That sounds, sounds pretty good. cool. Yeah, people so, love the name. People love the name. Which is funny. Yeah. So what I'm thinking is that I should have been like, you know, I stormed the, the you know, the Watch Hill proper in the war and I was, but no. We were going to have Stephen Fonte like create a video for us, you know, about the 1800s <laughs> we think about and, it. and that, you know, Watch that Hill. That would be the perfect yeah. one. Yeah. yeah. So just, you know, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. People do love the name. Yeah. I mean, it's, it gets a lot of love, which is cool. Yeah, we were just trying to find a name and it all kind of, you know, we have the kind of the clock is in our logo. So we kind of play off the watch part. And then, you know, there's a, we have all of our drinks are like the proper Manhattan or the proper, you know, old fashioned. And it kind of has a double, you know, meaning. It does. It's, it's the only Manhattan. It's the only old fashioned. Being I used the, to it's teach the proper the, one. I used to teach pro, I would, you know, if I was teaching at Heaven Hill, I would say, is there a proper, is there really a right, correct, proper way to drink whiskey? And it's pretty well any way that you like it. If you like it in ice or cold or whatever. And so we, that word had always kind of stuck with me. And so, like I said, saying them all together at, I don't know what prompted that, but once we did, we we were pretty, we liked it. Yeah. Come up with the logo. That was another. Yeah, <laughs> that's another yeah. story. That's another. Story. <laughs> well, fellas, I want to say thank you again for coming on the show and kind of telling your story. I think you got to give a little bit more insight to our listeners of of what it takes to build a bourbon bar. I think what people may have learned is that you don't have to come from a background. You can stumble your way through it. Sure. But I, I guess the last thing is like if if you are out there and you are going to stumble your way through it, what's your one piece of advice that you would give them? Well, I think uh, we were talking about that uh, a lot, just trying to get ready for this. And I think for me, and it's with any business and, and Ryan, you, you actually, you both should know this, no matter what business you're building, whether it's a restaurant or an engineering firm, you know, or a landscaping company or a bourbon, you know, a bourbon brand, it all still comes back to relationships. It's about how good are you at building relationships, right? Because people will support you if they know you and people will come and visit you. Like they have, they have excess money and they can spend it anywhere they want. You know what I mean? They're not going to spend it with somebody who's cold and they don't, you know, they don't know, or they have no connection to, right? So they will come if they have a connection, if they, if they know you, if they know you're, you're going to support them as much as they support you and vice versa and different things. And so from our standpoint, it's been all about relationships. The bourbon industry as a whole has been a huge support yeah. group for us uh, from distilleries to reps to distributors and just the whole group. But the bourbon industry is, as a whole has just been so warm and welcome and generous with their time. And so, you know, we just feel like the relationship aspect has been the most important part to this. The more people we get to know, the more people that we bring alongside, like we've been very open and inviting of the industry to try to come out and be a part of our place and like tell us how we can help you like Michter's or or old forester needs our help you know what i mean like they don't need our help but just the fact that we're offering that and trying to be as helpful as we can now they're gonna say you know, reciprocate. Well, what can we do to help you? And it's like, I have a whole list, you know, it's yeah. like, I have all these things you, you can do have for your me. sales meeting, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, but they have, you know, we have a lot of local companies from Churchill to KFC and different places that literally do uh, the bourbon women, you know, they, they come out regularly and hold their business meetings, you know, in our rooms. So they've been very supportive. And so, you know, the bourbon industry, the Louisville community and all those relationships have been huge for us on being on the road to success, I would say. I would certainly agree with that. That's probably the number one. This might be 1A. But your people, the people that you have running it for you, we can't be there 24 hours a day. And so the staff, for me, you know, I don't give them enough praise. I own half of this business, but I'm also the general manager for a while. And so I get to see these folks on a daily basis. And they are good and they they want to protect Josh and I, which is cool. You know, they they appreciate what we do for them uh, and we try to do more and more and more for them. But I think the people when you have, uh, you know, Carla and Alan, who are our managers from the very start, 
when you have the, those folks and they have to, you know, I was out for a while, Josh travels quite a bit. So you're kind of putting your baby in their hands. And so from our servers to our whiskey hustlers, to our essays, to our bartenders, they're just, they're very supportive and they respect us and they work very hard for us. And so that goes unseen and untalked about a lot. But so that would be, that would be mine is that our staff, they're just, they're gold. I mean, I, I talk personally to them all the time. They have become very much our family and we do appreciate them. So I would say that. Love it. It all comes back to Muscles and Burgers Bar. We all got together yeah. that one time. Oh, man, that was you, our place. And you told us about the you told us about this dream. And we were like, all right. Did you yeah. walk out going, what the <laughs> these guys are crazy? No, like, we, we liked it. Build it and they will come, right? right. That's what it is. That's awesome. But I will say this. Yeah. You guys, uh, you guys have been very good to us too. We do Absolutely. we we do oh, appreciate well, thank you. that. Uh, likewise, it, so. It, it's so it's so cool. You know, I've known you guys a little bit before we did this, especially Kenny. You know, I knew from the I would see at the store, so we didn't know each other all that well, but we knew each other a little bit. But it's so funny, our staff or or a table will be like, "Is that the Bourbon Pursuit guys?" It's like, <laughs> yeah, and, and I know them. Oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Don't they're tell my wife that. They're yeah. turds. You all have been great celebrities. Y'all have been great yeah. to us. I mean, we appreciate you having your Palooza there, and just what what you know talking about us on on the other episodes. We do appreciate that. Always Absolutely. sure, for sure. It's all about relationships. Happy to help. It there is. you go. There relationships. Now what? Can can you do for us? No, <laughs> what do you need? Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, thank you once again for coming on the show. If people do want to come and visit or they want to follow what you're doing on Instagram, how do they follow everything at Watch Hill Proper? Yeah, watchhillproper.com. It's real simple. Uh, we're on all the socials and I think it's all at Watch Hill Proper. Yeah. yeah. Well. Instagram, Facebook. Instagram is probably our biggest one. Facebook's number two. Uh, but then watchhillproper.com. We always post our events on there on the main page. Uh, that's got going on, you know, whether they're, you know, special events or those meet and greets or, you know, our music series that we do or whatever it is, you can always go there and, and see what's going on. Very awesome. Well, guys, thank you once again for coming on the show. Yes. So make sure you follow Watch Hill Proper, follow Bourbon Pursuit, write a review, tell a friend, take them to Watch Hill Proper, get a drink. That's right. You got Pursuit United on the menu. Go get some. And a lot of good single barrels. And a lot of good. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's what Josh has been a a supporter for such a long time. There's a bunch of Bourbon Pursuit single barrels over the years that are on the menu there, too. So, yeah, make sure you go check that out. More than you probably know. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next time. Toodles. Toodles.